There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Hi there. Thanks for downloading and thanks for listening to The Best in the World with Richard Parr. How are you doing today? Are you well? Well, it looks like you're ready to learn. Learn from the best. And today, it doesn't get any better than this. We have got the greatest snooker player of all time. He is the Tiger Woods of snooker. He is the Michael Schumacher of snooker. He is the Michael Jordan of snooker. Our guest today is Stephen Hendry, the seven-time world champion. It's a fantastic chat where you can really learn how to become the best in the world. I'll be talking about my chat with Stephen in just a moment, but I've got so much to get through on today's show. I've got to cover an amazing weekend of sport. We had the Euro 2016 final, we had Wimbledon, we had the Formula One British Grand Prix, and we had UFC 200, a weekend packed full of sport. Plus, I promised last week that this week I'd be telling you about my halfway goals. Remember back in January, episode 9 with Ben Askren, the MMA 1FC world champion. Remember that episode, episode 9, back in January, I set my goals for the year. And I was going to give you my uh, half-term report, my six-months report of how I'm getting on with those goals for the year. I'll be doing that in just a moment. But you may remember that one of the goals was to listen to 12 audiobooks in a year. So at the halfway stage, it should be six. I'll, I'll tell you in just a moment whether I've achieved that or not. But the thing is, audiobooks are a great way to listen and learn from the best, exactly like we do here on the Best in the World with Richard Parr podcast. But you know what? Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. They are one of the best audiobook suppliers in all of the world. And you know what? They're so good to me. They're so good to you that I am offering you a free 30-day download with Audible. All you've got to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash best. Write that down again. I'll say it one more time. It's audibletrial.com forward slash best. You get a free 30-day trial plus one free audiobook download. It's a product I use and it's one I highly recommend you should too. So what a weekend of sport. UFC 200 was on Saturday, the return of the beast Brock Lesnar against Mark Hunt. 
Lesnar won on a unanimous decision after three rounds as he was unable to knock out Hunt. Hunt was the number eight heavyweight in the world. And my goodness, they say Samoans are tough, but this was incredibly impressive from Hunt in the fact he just survived a hell of a beating. Lesnar was pummeling and pounding and Hunt, he pretty much had to carry Lesnar's weight for the whole three rounds and I was amazed that he didn't get knocked out so all credit to him but Lesnar looked good. He looked leaner. He certainly looked leaner in the legs from his wrestling days and of course in UFC they advertised the main event for SummerSlam this summer one of WWE's pay-per-views and it's going to be Brock Lesnar versus Randy Orton the two of them came up the WWE developmental system back in the early 2000s so they've got quite a good rapport so the chemistry should be good so it could be an interesting match at SummerSlam but it's going to be quite interesting to see how Lesnar now juggles both WWE and UFC. I think he may have the bug of UFC back, but he's also signed a contract with WWE. So whether he can juggle both of them, only time will tell. Congratulations to Andy Murray for winning Wimbledon. He was a convincing winner against Milos Raonic. Well done for Raonic to reach in the final, but Murray's return was always a little bit too strong for Raonic, who has got a very strong serve, but... Murray showed that he is up there with the very best, with his second Wimbledon title. Well done to him. Lewis Hamilton won at the British Grand Prix, so it was a great weekend for British sports fans on home soil. But it wasn't a good day for France football fans on home soil as they saw their team lose to Portugal in the Euro 2016 final. A very boring affair. (laughs) This tournament has had its high spots. There's been fantastic moments like Shakiri's overhead goal for Switzerland, like Hal Robson Carnu's goal for Wales against Belgium, like Luka Modric's goal against Turkey for Croatia. There's been some absolute crackers. I think Marek Hamšík scored a great goal as well. Ronaldo's against Hungary. Incredible moments, but there's been some shocking matches in between. And unfortunately, the final was one of them. I'm not sure that the 2014 format actually worked. I think it brought in too much negative football. I think there were some smaller teams who were a little bit more defensive. And unfortunately, all it led were the more famous, bigger teams just trying to probe and get through them. And and frankly, they, they didn't have enough ingenuity or ability or creativity to break them down. So very often we ended up with stalemates or, as you saw in some games, some very late goals. And it was a very late goal that proved to be the difference in extra time for Portugal, for Eder. You know, they were without Cristiano Ronaldo for most of the match after he came off injured after about 20 minutes. It wasn't an attack by a moth. I know there were lots of moths there, but it was a, it was just a collision with the French midfielder Dimitri Payet. But congratulations to Portugal. Commiserations for France. I did think they were arguably one of the best teams at the tournament. Certainly with Antoine Griezmann, they had a fine forward and some attacking flair from players such as Paul Pogba and Dimitri Payet certainly in the earlier games but it was a it was a good tournament without being a great tournament I wouldn't call it a 
terrible one as many people have, but it was it was good because there were the high points, but there were a few dud matches in there as well. So, is it great or is it a dud when it comes to my goals for the year? Now, you may remember in my podcast nine with Ben Askren, I went through my goals for the year and they were to read 25 books, listen to 12 audiobooks, learn Spanish, attend the Rio Olympics, possibly learn jiu-jitsu, become more charitable and learn stand-up comedy. So let me first tell you how I'm doing on the book front. In fact, I like to jot everything in this app called Evernote. I don't know if you use it, but it syncs to all of your devices. I think they've just restricted it now to uh, two devices on their basic package, but I think you can use more devices if you want to subscribe and pay a, a monthly fee or whatever. I haven't done that yet. So let me just count the books I've read so far. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I've read 13 books so far this year, six months in. So that is on target, 25 for the year. I actually aim for 12 after six months. I've nearly finished book 14. So I'm well ahead of target there. So I can give myself a little pat on the back there. Well done, Richard, well done. I'll be putting the list of those books on richardparr.net, so stay tuned for that. Same with the audiobooks, Aiming for 12. I've actually finished six. Is it six? Hold on, let me double check on my Evernote. I've just finished one more now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've finished eight audiobooks. Only four more to go for the year, so I'm, I'm pleased with that. As far as learning Spanish goes, I'm not doing very well there. I went to Madrid back in February. I tried really hard on the app Duolingo. Great app. Download it for free if you can. But after that, after that week in Spain where I tried to have conversations but I didn't get very far, I haven't done much more. So I need to open the books up again, maybe listen to some Spanish podcasts, maybe read Marca the Sports newspaper every day online and try and get a bit better at that attend the rio olympics well they're not here yet they're another month away i actually haven't finalized my plans yet for it but i do hope to be there so i'm keen that i'll be able to tick that off the list one of the others was to perhaps do jujitsu i don't think that's going to happen right now uh, i've got a bit of a problem with one of my toes it's uh, a bit weird thing to say i know but I have, and I'm not sure I'll be able to do that. Uh, instead, I'm going for this 21-day fitness challenge, which I mentioned last week, going gluten and dairy-free for three weeks and doing workouts every single day. So I'm going to keep with that at the moment. Unfortunately, I haven't done anything yet to become more charitable. I'm disappointed with that. I need to work a little bit harder reaching out to charities. And if you want to be involved with the podcast, if you have a charity and a good cause, please let me know. Just send me an email on the site, richardparr.net. There is a contact page. You can contact me there. And finally, try and have a go at stand-up comedy. Well, I haven't given that a go yet, but I have been reading a book called The Secrets to Comedy Writing. So I'm hoping that might give me a little hand and we'll see how we get along with that. So those are my goals. I'd love to hear how your goals for the year 
have been getting on. Maybe send me a tweet at Richard underscore Parr or send me a message on the website richardparr.net or even on the Facebook page, Best in the World with Richard Parr. Lots of ways to get in contact with me. So my guest today is the greatest snooker player of all time, Stephen Hendry. He won seven world titles, five in a row between 1992 and 1996. In my chat with him, he talks about the mental and psychological edge which allowed him to win so many world's titles. He talks about what he misses most since he retired. Does he think anyone can ever beat his total of seven world crowns? And his feelings towards other top stars in his day, such as Steve Davis and Jimmy White. And also how the game is expanding in China. So a lot of really top things you can learn from Stephen Hendry. So let's get to it. Let's learn from the best in the world. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. So Stephen Hendry, welcome to the Best in the World with Richard Parr. So you've been retired for a few years now. Are you enjoying it, or do you miss playing at all? Um, I have been enjoying it. I've done I've done some some different things. I've been uh, been spending a lot of time in China uh, as an ambassador for a, a type of Chinese pool. Um, but no, I, I, I do I do miss it. And, and it's sort of the last year or so, I've started to miss it again. Um, I think working with the BBC as commentator and pundit, you get to see obviously go to the venues like the Crucible and and, and the Masters and and and, uh, and and some some sometimes you're watching them playing, thing. You know, I, I, I could actually they're not doing anything that I couldn't do, and it's, it sort of gets you itching to get back. So uh, is that something which might happen soon? Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't think so. I, th- I think I don't think I'm prepared to put in the hours of practice that, that's required to, to, to get, you know, the, the, the sort of work I was doing when I was at the top of the game, um, sort of five six hours a day, um, sort of five six days a week. I, I'm not prepared to do that anymore. Um, but that was one of the reasons of, of of many that I retired. I wasn't enjoying the practice and and, and couldn't make myself do do what what was required. Mm. So, yeah, I want to get into a bit more detail of that routine and everything there. But you mentioned China. How big is the sport getting over there right now? Um, I mean, snooker has been, been, been very popular in China for years. And my first visit there was 1987. Um, so so it, it, it's been around a long time. I think, obviously, with the emergence of Ding Jong Wei, um, the sort of last uh, 10, 10, 15 years, um, it, it, it's obviously... You know, when a country has someone to follow who's a top player, obviously it makes it a lot easier for the game to expand. And, and um, over the past few years, there's been many, many tournaments and, and many more professionals from, from China. Um, what I do, I say I'm an ambassador for Chinese eight-ball pool. Um, as I say, it's something completely different to what we've done before. And, and I've been to sort of 50, 60 cities around China. Um, and and uh, the sort of the appetite for billiard sports is, is, is huge. So could we see a, a world champion from China soon? Um, yeah, I mean, well, obviously things in you know, this year had a great chance um, and lost, lost to Mark Selby, so there's, there's no reason why he can't go that one step further. Um, I think um, it, it's inevitable in the future um, that there will be a Chinese world champion because there's so many of them playing. Mm-hmm. Is there one part of the game that, that they're missing? What, what, is, there, is there like a, a lacking edge that they don't have? Um. 
I think I think the the, the, the talent is definitely there. I think the thing is it's, it's been a mental thing, um, especially with, uh, as regards to the World Championship. He's won many many events all over the world, um, but never really played his best at the World Championship, the biggest event. Um, this year he did play well, um, partly due to the fact he actually had to qualify because he dropped dropped out of the top 16. So, you know, I actually said when I was working with DVC, maybe that the pressure was lifted off him a little bit, the expectation because he had to qualify. Um, so yeah, it's it's, um, it's a mental thing that, that I think that, you know, a lot of the foreign players have to get over um, in, in regards to the World Championship. And obviously, b- between '92 and '96, you you won the World Championships uh, five years consecutively, I believe. Um, mm. y- mentally, you must have just felt at home. It, 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 is that something which helped that every time you go there, you knew that, oh, I can win this? Is, is that something which these players are lacking and, and you had back then? Uh, very, very much so. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I almost took for granted winning um, at the World Championship. You're right, it did feel, I felt so comfortable at the Crucible. Um, I, I always played my best snooker at, at, at the sort of biggest occasions. You know, obviously the Masters as well at the Conference Centre. I won that five years in a row. Um, and, and that was, you know, I, I considered the world and the Masters the two most prestigious events in the game. Um, so yeah, I did. I did play my best snooker under, under the sort of most the most pressurised conditions and in the best venues. Um, and, it, and it's yeah, and it's obviously it's, it's not something that everybody has, and that's what separates the sort of people, the sort of multiple winners from from people who just win 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 now and then. And obviously, like you said, you, you're very comfortable there. But did you ever feel like invincible and almost overconfident? And, and if so, how do you keep yourself grounded? Um, I, I did feel invincible. So that that period you said when when I won it five years in a row, I, I did feel invincible. Crucible. I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't see anybody beating me. Um, and and it was obviously the the, the long frame matches as well. You know, suited me as well. I think I just I, I could. Um, not relax completely, but I just felt that the that, that players weren't good enough to beat me over a long distance. So, yeah, I mean, it, 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 was, it was a big advantage to have that, that, that sort of, um, you know, you, you, could, you could have most of the opponents beat before they even got to the table. You had that psychological edge over them. You said that you need about five or six hours a day practice over five or six days a week. When you were at that top form and you did start to feel invincible and that you know you could beat the players did that practice ever let up or was that always consistent was that always there um it, it was pretty consistent i mean i didn't I, you know through throughout my sort of you know 20, 20 30 year career it wasn't a, a, a fact of me doing that week in week out um you know for, for all those years but there was times when when i sort of when I, I i would i would take it easy a little bit um and and certainly to, towards the latter of my career, that that's when I started, you know, taking more weekends off and then maybe having more half days and things like that. And that's, I think, in any top sport, that's a slippery slope uh, once you start not giving it hundred um, percent. But no, I, I, I definitely didn't. I wasn't. Um, I mean, snooker was my life and my career, and, and I loved it. And, and I loved the fact that you, you get to see the results from your hard work. Um, you know, there were times where I'd win a tournament on a Sunday night and be back playing on a, on a Monday morning practicing because I wanted to win the next one. I was so hungry to, to win everything. Um, but yeah, you, the, 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 there is, you know, you, there was times when, when, yeah, you have to sort of, you know, take your foot off the pedal a little bit. Mm. And did, did it always feel like a game, like a sport for you, or did it ever come across like feeling like a job? I, I think it very quickly stopped being a hobby. Um, 
you know, obviously when you first pick up a queue when I, when I was, it was two weeks before my 13th birthday I, I got a small tail for my Christmas so so then and it, it's always a hobby then it, it's something that that, that, you, that they, you, look, you look forward to, to playing and it's and it's, there's no pressure um, I think the minute you turn professional and you become you know a contender to win tournaments you start winning tournaments it's it's true. You still you still enjoy it. You still love the fact of, of winning. That's that, that. I mean, that's you know the biggest thing that was taken away from me when I stopped. You know, when I retired and it stopped. You know, it wasn't the enjoyment of playing. It was the enjoyment of winning for me. That was important. Um, but yeah, I think I think it, it, for me it became quite quickly. Uh, I turned pro professional at 16, but it wasn't a hobby anymore. It, it was more of a job and more of a more of a, a, a career. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. Isn't it great to have Stephen Hendry on this week's podcast? We'll have more from him in just a moment. But I just want to tell you about today's sponsor, that's Audible. For you, the listeners of the Best in the World podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They've got over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player. I've just been listening to Quiet Leadership by Carlo Ancelotti and I would say that it is my favourite audiobook of the year. The best one I've listened to all year. It's very, very good. It gives an insight from a top-level manager coach from the world of football. Ancelotti has managed teams such as AC Milan, Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid... And he's just moving to Bayern Munich. And a lot of the things he talks about is the close relationships a manager needs to build with the team around him, with the players, with his fellow coaches, and with the board and president and management above. It's a very interesting insight into the world of football, but it also has 
pieces of information which you can use if you're a manager or you're a leader in your job or in your team or in any walk of life. I'd highly recommend it. It's Quiet Leadership by Carlo Ancelotti and you can get that 30-day free download and perhaps that could be your free download. It could be Carlo Ancelotti's Quiet Leadership. All you've got to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash best. That's audibletrial.com forward slash best. Let's return to my chat with the seven-time snooker world champion, Stephen Hendry. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. And did you have any rituals in any of the matches and did they change at all during your career? Um, no, no rituals and nothing special. Um, more or less any match I turned up for, I turned up half an hour before the match would start. Um, maybe have 10 minutes on the practice table and, and just go to the dressing room, relax, maybe read a paper. Um, just, just try and take, keep my mind, take my mind off, off it. And, and, and I was able to switch on as soon as I got out and, and into the arena. Do you think that's really important not to be thinking about uh, the match in that half an hour before? I've heard other people, we had um, a rugby player on, I think it was David Campisi was talking about how he'd try not to think about the game so he doesn't get nervous. And then when he goes out there, everything he's practiced and everything he's learned and all the experience he has just almost returns to him. Would you say that's something similar? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. That's very similar to me. I just, you know, I was able to switch on I think I think that's a ta- it is a talent to have as well that you can you, you can actually switch off in the dressing room um, you know same interval in the middle of a match for 15 minutes I was able just to go into the dressing room um, and just say read a paper have a cup of tea and just if there was if there was someone with me in the lick I had two or three coaches and maybe have a chat but more I just wanted to be left alone with my thoughts and just um, just completely chill out and as soon as I went in the arena I was, I was able to switch on again and I, and I think that that's something that not everybody has. Mm. And I've noticed one of your ways of relaxing and spending your free time is uh, playing a bit of golf. And I, I saw last month you were playing in the uh, Wentworth Pro Am. How much did you enjoy that? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. It was um, it was it's quite nerve wracking. You're obviously out of your comfort zone because I'm not a golfer, and so you've got you know these thousands of people watching you come doing something that you're not you're not that good at. But um, no, I, I loved it. The chance to play you know a course like that and, and the condition they have it for for. Um, you know, for a proper event, which was, was was great, it was great fun. And obviously, there's lots of other sports stars there from football and cricket and all different types of things. If you could spend one day with another sports star from any generation, who would it be? Or or have you had that pleasure already? No, no, I, I haven't. I mean, um, not to be tight, I would. I think um, it's just. Uh, He's just a, a phenomenal winner. Um, again, someone like um, you know, used to be quite into Formula One. Someone like Michael Schumacher. You know, any, any sort of multiple winners. Um, I'd, I'd love to sort of um, you know spend spend a day and, and see see if it, you know a lot of things that we did to succeed were, were in common. I think a lot of things would be the sort of work ethic and the will to win, the, the hunger to win more and more, and and, and not just settle for for one event or one world title. You want to win multiple world titles. And you've, of course, done that in, in snooker and you've got a record of 36 ranking titles, seven world championships. Do you think those records could ever be beaten? Um, I, I have to be honest, I don't, I don't think the seven world titles will get, will get beaten now. Um, I think Sullivan has had, has had opportunities, but um, 
I, I honestly can't see him at the age of 41, 42 winning, winning, winning three more. Um, I don't know exactly what age he is. Um, he's won five. I can't see him winning three more. Um, yeah, I think I think Judd Trump was was you know if, if if maybe he focused his mind on his game a bit better sort of three or four years ago he got to the semi-finals and and since then has has not not pushed on. Um, he was at the right age to possibly do. I don't think he'll do it now. Um, so yeah, I mean I think that's one record that, that, that I think is pretty safe. And as we look forward in in the game of snooker. Obviously, there have been a few changes over the last years. I've read that you weren't very impressed with the idea of these best-of-seven tournaments and things like that. What what changes would you like to see in the sport, if any? I think I think that's a, I mean that's that's, a, that's that's the road that I think Barryham wants to go down. These these you know short bit better for TV, shorter matches. Um, you know, I myself don't see them as a test. Um, I think the Crucible. I think they won't. You, know, you 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 tend to see a lot of sort of young qualifier or sort of low ranked players doing very well in these tournaments, the best of sevens, but you see them come to the crucible and, and, and they can't cope with the pressure of these long matches. And that's, and, and, and I think that's, I think I would like to see maybe, you know, two or three more tournaments but with, with longer frame matches. Um, you know, so I don't, uh, I don't think perhaps the top players are, are I think the top players like should be, you know, given, given a bit more, more support. Um, I think Dyer hands off for a place, you know, whoever, how many hundred and, Wherever professionals are, you know, treating them all as the same. But I think in snooker, the top players are not treated um, as top players in the same as some other sports. Mm. So that that needs to change. And when you look back on those seven world title victories, which is your favourite? Um, I mean, the seventh to break the record to, to win the seventh was 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 um, obviously my 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 ambition, my target. And Steve Davis was obviously a great inspiration in, in my career and, and, and one of the biggest influences on my career and um, so obviously to beat his six was, was a big a big goal for me and, 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 and okay, so that was special the first one is obviously special obviously I was, I'm the, I was the youngest and still am so um, possibly another record that might not get, get beaten um, so yeah that was, I suppose it's the first and the seventh Steve Davis said he, he kind of hated you when you first came onto the scene because you were doing things which a, a lot of players couldn't do. Did you have? Did you feel that animosity? Did Did you have any feelings like that towards him? Well, I mean, it, it took me about maybe a dozen, fifteen attempts before I actually beat Steve Davis. Um, as I say, when I when I was some professional, he was the number one. He was the man that was dominating the game. Um, he was like a winning machine, and that's what I wanted to be. Um, but as soon as I got that first victory, I knew that it was my time then. Um, and it sort of, you know, I could beat everyone else, but he was sort of last keeping the jigsaw, as it were, and for me to become the best or become the top player. So, so yeah, he, he was, um, you know, we, we went on to have many, many great battles, and then he was, he was always a, a sort of benchmark for me. And obviously, Jimmy White must have been pretty frustrated at every time he got to a final of a world championship. Most of the time, he was facing you, and and you'd beat him. Um, mm. Did you, was that also part of the confidence building we mentioned earlier? Is that that you could beat him, and you almost had that mental edge of when he would go ahead, you'd be like, ah, oh, I, I can still beat this guy. I've done it before. The the the, the that 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 comes into. Um, I mean, obviously, the final for where we're in the final frame and he missed a black up a spot. You would think he, he was on his way to beat me then. Um, and, and another, I think he was forty eight ahead, um, and I won ten frames in a row. Um, I I always felt with Jimmy, I, I, I 
I knew how I knew when he was under pressure. I could tell by his body language. Um, and even if I was behind to Jimmy in a, in a long, long match like at the Sheffield at Sheffield, I always felt if I could get sort of string two or three frames in a row and get get the momentum on my side, um, and I never ever felt that he could beat me. Um, but obviously that one time when he when the, in the final frame, the black off a spot he missed. Obviously that was a time where. You know, I think I even looked up to my friends and, and who are who are in the audience thinking that, you know, just that you know, I was out and he actually had beaten me but um he, he twitched the black and and, and and maybe that's obviously that's a weakness in Jimmy. Um, you know, he's had enough chances. I think it's six finals he's been to and and, and I suppose you have to ask yourself if he's been to six finals and not one one. You know, there's something missing in, in, in your game or your, or your or your mental strength. Mm. Well, I know it's getting near to lunchtime, so I won't keep you for too much longer, Stephen. And one of the things <laughs> I, I, I noticed on your Twitter is you, you do like to tweet quite a few pictures of your food, tweet what you eat. Um, yeah. Would you call yourself a foodie? Yeah, 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 massive, massive, yeah. But uh, I think, I think obviously, through traveling around China, as I say, I've been in sort of 50, 60 cities in the last sort of four or five years, and, and some of the di- sort of diverse dishes that you get. Um, Obviously, you don't get in the UK, so so obviously I like to like like to share. But yeah, I think it's much more interesting than sharing stuff on snooker. No, I've talked about enough about snooker. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I like to try most things. When I, when I first went to China, I, I hated the food, but now, now I love it. I'll try almost anything. What's the weirdest thing you've tried? Uh, bear's claw. Bear's claw. What does that taste like? <laughs> <laughs> it was in it was in Harbin in, in North China, and uh, I was taken to this exclusive restaurant with only one table in it. Um, and they brought this dish of bear's claw. It's it up about a thousand pounds for this little dish, um, and the, the flavour of it was made because of the sauce and stuff. But the way they cooked it was lovely. But the meat itself was, was not. It was like gristly, stringy. So um, I tasted it, but I wasn't. I wasn't a fan. Um, but uh, yeah, that's probably probably the weirdest. Yeah, I've I've had horse and alligator before, and that that neither of them yeah. were particularly good. But bear's claw, I I don't <laughs> think I could go that far. Snails and bear's yeah, claw well, is my limit. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the same the same menu. There was wolf and starfish, and uh, I forget what else. It was it was a strange, it was a strange old meal. Wow. Uh, oof, yeah, I, I'm not sure I want to try wolf either. That's, it all sounds a <laughs> bit weird. But uh, yeah. Stephen, just before we go, if you want to just give some of our uh, listeners um, how they can follow you on Twitter and any other kind of social media or any kind of website, that would be wonderful. I'm on Twitter at uh, sghendry775. Um, I'm also on Instagram. Um, I think it's the same, shhendry775. Um, if you search me, you'll find me. As I say, you might not hear so much about snooker, but you'll see quite interesting food. Brilliant. Well, Stephen Hendry, thank you very much for being on the show, and thank you for being the best in the world. You're welcome. Thank you. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. All that talk of food with Stephen Hendry has made me hungry, so I'm going to get a bite to eat. But I want to thank you for downloading and listening to this week's show, The Best in the World with Richard Parr. If you enjoyed that, remember two weeks ago, I spoke to another world champion in snooker, Sean Murphy. That was a really great chat. Go onto iTunes, download that, listen to that. Tell me what you think, at Richard underscore Parr on Twitter on the Facebook page, Best in the World with Richard Parr, or send me a message on the contact page on richardparr.net. I'd love to hear from you. And if you've enjoyed this show, that show, any of the other shows, maybe it was the one with Ellen Hoog, 
Maybe it was the one with John Potter. Maybe it was the one with Ian Williams. Maybe it was the one with Gary Hunt. If you've liked any of them, I would love it. If you would just do me a, a small favour. Just go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast and give it a rating and review. I would love it if you would do that for me. I've really enjoyed talking to you today. I hope you've really enjoyed learning from Stephen Hendry. More great guests, more world Olympic champions on the way on the podcast. But until next time, have a great week. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.